Hey everybody, it is Tuesday, August 20th. Welcome back for another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. Uh, today we're doing something a little bit different. Um, we are joined, uh, there's four of us today actually. Uh, Daniel Yelverton is here. Michael Miller is back today. Uh, even though last week we said he wouldn't be back till the following week. Um, we because we decided to switch things up today, Michael is back with us. Um, and then we're also joined by Pastor Phil today as well. Welcome back. I'm back. <laughs> so, so something that we've been doing as a church, we know that we have listeners who come to this church, but we know that we have a lot of listeners who don't come to this church as well. Something that we've been doing as a church um, for our current sermon series is uh, something that we also did last year and was such a big hit and everybody seemed to enjoy it and it seemed to be really productive for us as a church family um, is a series called You Asked For It. So what we do here is we open up the, the sermon in the series to questions that you guys ask, questions from within our church, um, something that we're wanting to do going forward with this, uh, we'll probably do another episode next week, is to also ask you guys, the listeners, for any questions that you might have. So we'll go ahead and give you an email um, address that you can send those to, and then we'll plug it again at the end of the, the um, episode so that you guys can send that to us just to remind you. Um, but it's contact at myelevationcc.org. So if you have any questions, anything that you want to know, um, ask us. Feel free. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Um, ask us whatever you want to know, and we will do our best to answer it. You know, We won't always have the perfect answer. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff you know within faith that there is no perfect answer, but we will do our best to answer that for you. So we hope to have questions from you, um, and we'll do another one next week. So anyway, um, to go ahead and get into this one this week, is there anything that you guys want to set up before we start? Sure. Um, so... Uh, one of the things that we, we just really love this series because uh, I think growing up in faith, you uh, are not always encouraged to ask questions. If anything, like when you ask a question, uh, you kind of get turned away or you get kind of a blanket answer that really doesn't answer the question. And that I think that really damages our faith because uh, our faith is is not only just this uh, ethereal thing. It's, it's something we can hold on to. There's evidence. There's evidence that God loves us. There's evidence of Jesus and what he's done for us. And there's evidence uh, in the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And so it's important for us to ask questions. It's important for us to understand. And and really the foundation of the series is uh, centered around James. So uh, James 1, 5 through 6 says, if we need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. So right out there, James is saying, if you need, if you're lacking any wisdom, if you don't have any understanding, if you're confused about something, ask, ask God and he'll give it to you and he won't rebuke you for asking. And I think it's really important. God is not angry at us when we ask him questions. If anything, he wants, he's inviting us to ask questions. Uh, if we're lacking any wisdom, he wants to give us this wisdom. Um, but then, uh, James gives us this kind of, uh, really important uh, perspective that we need to have when we ask. It says in verse 6, it says, But when you ask, make sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea and is blown and tossed by the wind. And so what uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus, is really saying here is he's saying that uh, when you are asking God, you have to have faith and trust that God is the one that's going to give you the answer that you want. You can't ask a... A question that you're hoping God is going to align to your point of view, if that's that's the best way I can say Great, it. So, because yeah. if you have if you have this 
this kind of confirmation bias that you're really hoping that God is going to answer the question the way that you see it and the way you want it, um, that's not putting your faith in God alone. That's really putting your faith in your agenda, your desires, and the things that you want. And so it says that that, 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 that person is unsettled, like a wave in the sea. And I think that when we allow our desires and our own kind of wisdom to supersede God's intention for our life and his wisdom, then we are kind of tossed back and forth. We we're kind of like this, this reed, you know, blowing in the wind. I feel like Kansas, right. You know, <laughs> we're like dust in the wind. I, I really want to sing it right now, but I'm not the, uh, I'm not the worship director at this <laughs> church. Uh, so I would be bad at doing that. But, um, but anyway, so that's kind of the what we have built the series around is ask. It's important to ask. God welcomes us when he asks. He never rebukes us when we ask. But when we ask, we need to trust that God knows what's best. Because if he knows what's best, then he'll direct our lives in a way that he intended for our lives to go. And so uh, some of these questions, like Brent gave us uh, earlier, uh, we'll do the fine print. We're not going to know all the answers to, and that's okay. And we're going to have this. We didn't do a lot of preparation at all for these questions. This is going to be a conversation style. Uh, So there might be some stumbling. There might be a few ums. There might be awkward silence uh, because uh, we're just kind of working through these questions through as a conversation and as we're just... uh, um, yeah, just kind of off, off the cuff. And that's the whole uh, reason why we do the series this way, because we want it to be more of a natural kind of flow than us having these seminary type answers, even though none of us have gone to seminary. Michael's the most astute one here. So thank you, Michael, for being here. Great. <laughs> Thanks for that, Daniel. No, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Don't call him names, Daniel. <laughs> I know, exactly. My bad. He's uh, so astute. Gosh, that's <laughs> insulting. So, uh. so anyway, so just to kind of reiterate what Brent said, uh, send in questions. We we would love to hear from our listeners especially the listeners that don't have the opportunity to um, come to our church uh, and be a part of this U.S. for its series. You are a part of it now with the podcast. And so and what, we want you to ask questions. And what's that email again, Brent? Uh, it's contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T, at myelevationcc, two letters, cc.org. Contact at myelevationcc.org. And the awesome thing is that we've had questions rolling in for weeks now, and they just... I see them coming in every single day in the email the address. So it's really cool. And, and it's really cool that we're having to do this podcast because we got so many questions. Yeah. We are now, uh, we've done two Sundays of You Asked For It, and we still have so many questions that we needed to do this podcast to answer more of them that we might not be able to get to in the series. So if you guys send us more questions from wherever you are in the world, um, we will do our best to get to them next week. We will get to all that we can. So hopefully you guys will do that. It's the first chance that we've had to be interactive with you guys really um, mm-hmm. as a podcast since we've been doing this. So um, we thank you guys for sticking with us this whole time. So um also, one more yeah. thing. Uh, if you want to check out our sermon series, uh, we have an additional podcast that we just put our sermons on, and that's uh, the weekly sermons. Which, which podcast is that, is that, Brent? Yeah, they can go to iTunes or... Um Stitcher or SoundCloud. We host from SoundCloud, but it's on all those services. Um, you just go and you search um, Elevation Community Church Weekly Sermon, and mm-hmm. that's where you can find it. So you'll be able to catch up on some of the questions that we've answered in the sermon series on Sunday morning. And so there might be some that we haven't gotten to, but we've actually answered them already on Sunday. And we have one more Sunday service um, of You Asked For It, and that will be August 25th. So please tune in. Yeah. Now, are we planning to use any of the questions that we get from any people that don't come to church here for that, for that Sunday, if we don't get to them on here? Possible. Uh, We do have a very special guest coming on the 25th to answer 
a few specific questions into why do bad things happen? Okay. And why does suffering and depression and anxiety happen? And what, what can God do through that? That's going to be the main focus of August 25th. Yeah. So if we do a special podcast of answering questions that come in through podcast listeners, that'd be great. Okay, awesome. So if you guys are listeners of this podcast, you obviously know where to find this one. The other one, once again, our weekly sermon is Elevation Community Church Weekly Sermon on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And then if you want to find out any other information about anything that we do here at the church, you can go to our website, which is www.myelevationcc.org. So with all that out of the way now, we'll (laughs) jump right into the questions. Let's answer some questions. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we've teased you enough. Um, so question number one is why should I attend church frequently? Can't I keep connected with God on my own? It's because Brent's such an awesome worship leader. That's why you should attend church. (laughs) Very true. Thanks. (laughs) If I could, um, just kind of start this out. If you look before the fall in Genesis, when everything was perfect, um, God didn't, God did not design man to be alone. Mm Mm-hmm. God never designed man to be alone, always in the context of relationship with him and with another person in relationship. And so can a Christian grow in their walk with God? Absolutely. Adam did by himself, but he grew even more with his relationship with God through his partner, through a relationship. And so I say this a lot, um, that I don't believe an average Christian uh, can grow to the capacity of what God has designed for them without relationship. Yeah. And so I don't know if that just kind of launches us as, launches well, us into it. It's why Tom Hanks had Wilson, right? Mm, that's there. true. The volleyball. <laughs> and the, that makes sense. The volleyball because, concept, right? <laughs> that makes sense because what God... One thing I firmly believe is that these laws and stuff that we have in the Bible, it's for our benefit. Absolutely. God's not some kind of tyrant, right? He, he makes these laws to help us. Yeah. And so when, when, when we see in Hebrews, I think it's what, 10, 25... He tells us to not forsake the assembly. That's not just because he wants to have this arbitrary rule or this this silly rule for us. No, it's it's for our benefit. And I guess as you guys are saying, mm-hmm. because we're not supposed to be alone. God gives us this rule for for a purpose. And like and backing that up in, in Matthew like eighteen, um, about halfway through that chapter, about verse twenty. You know, we see that when two or three are gathered, mm-hmm. that He's there. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So we sh- we should assemble together. When when we do that, God is in the midst, and that's good for us. Yeah, God is doing. Yeah. God asks us to do this because He loves us. Yeah. And the purpose of relationship is for us to grow together. And so, look at a knife. How how do you how do you grow a knife? You sharpen a knife. How do you sharpen a knife? The knife needs something else to rub against in order to sharpen. Mm -hmm. And that's where Proverbs 27, I believe, verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, Mm -hmm. so should one brother or one person to another. Mm -hmm. We need each other. Yeah. And all of the, all the, like the New Testament imperatives. So Jesus says like, Hey, the, the platinum rule now, the main commandment that I give to you is this, that you are to love others the way that I love you. This is how people are going to know that you're my disciples. You can't love others without others, right? You know, I mean, like that's that's kind of <laughs> yeah. part of the principle, right? And so everything that you get, encourage one another, bear one another's burden, serve one another, is all in the context of community. It's all in the context of the assembly. It's all in the context of. Yeah. And when we say church, I mean Jesus said. I was just gonna go. Oh, there, yeah. yeah no, no, go. Jesus no. said that he when I uh, I establish my church. 
church, what he was saying was ecclesia, which is gathering. And that means that, and the church is a body of many members. You know, so yeah. there's so much in the, in not only in the Old Testament and the original design that we see in God's creation, but also in everything that Jesus established that we have to be in relationship. And, and also for me, I have only grown best in the context of relationship and in the context of community, you know? And so like, I think that there, uh, that's, uh, I want, I want us to get past that because maybe we've been burned in church in the past, or there's maybe a fear of exposure when you're around other people that like, uh, I don't want people to know who I really am because I, then maybe they'll reject me. Yeah. All of that is like lies of the enemy. Right. And the enemy is, is trying to, he is, he's trying to create disunity within the church within the assembly and Mm -hmm. Jesus, even in John 17, the one thing that he prayed for right before Mm -hmm. he went to the garden, right before he died was for unity, meaning we can do so much more together. It's funny. That was our vision series. We Mm -hmm. can do so much more together. Mm -hmm. And so that I think that that this is absolutely essential for a believer. And the question really was, is should I attend church frequently? Mm-hmm. And again, to your definition of church is not necessarily a church on Sundays on, on, in a building. Yeah. It's are you gathering and fellowshipping with other believers and rubbing against each other to grow spiritually more like Christ? Hebrews 10.25 says, do not forsake the what? Gathering. Right. Mm-hmm. Ecclesia, mm-hmm. uh, as so many are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. That's that's powerful. And yeah. I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because some people are like really introverted, or there are some people that have been hurt. They're they're suffering for like no joke post traumatic stress because of, uh, of of something that they experienced at church. So I get it. Sometimes you might not want to show up with a big gathering on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why we do small groups. I know we're in a break at the moment, but small groups, that's, that can be a really safe place for, for you mm-hmm. to really connect with other believers. Well, ministry teams too here at ECC or yes. at the church where you're at. Ministry team is really living life together in a smaller setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually have um, someone that I'm close to. I'm not even going to say who it is or what relationship I have to them, but they're struggling with alcoholism right now. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't want to go to a group. I, I recommended come to a celebrate recovery or something close to you at a church. You know, even if you don't want to go to an AA kind of thing, go to a celebrate recovery. Um, and, and they don't want to do that. They want to just go see their therapist that they're talking to and just go through it on their own with a the therapist. And I'm like, that might work for you, but the big deal is that it's community. It's support. Yep. It's accountability. People, it's yeah. accountability. And, and it's people that care about you. Mm-hmm. Um, that he he'll say, well, uh, you know, I just I got nothing to do, and I go home and I sit and I get bored, and I just drink, mm. and I'm, I'm like, well, get involved in a community, yeah. Yeah. get some yeah. friends, get some people that when you get bored and you're tempted, you can call them and they, they can help you out, um, and and I think that that's a huge part of the, what we've been talking about here. What church is? It's a community, and it's not just community. If it's a church, we're all believers in the kingdom of God, which means we are all his children, which means that everybody that you're going to meet at church is your brother or your sister. Mm. It's a family and it's support and it's love and it's massively needed. So yes, you can grow in your relationship with God, but you grow most effectively in your relationship with God and you change the most as a person to be more like Jesus in the community within the church body. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, does that wrap up that question, guys? I think yeah, so. sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, the biblical authors don't name the rebel we call the devil or 
Satan. Do we give this being too much position or power in our minds by adding personality and names? Good question. Mm-hmm. Well, the Bible does name Satan. Like we've talked before that Satan is the accuser. That's what it means like in Hebrew, right? Yeah. So, and so I get some of the question because is it a name? Is it a title? Is it an actual person? Mm-hmm. Is it not? I think when when you look at Ezekiel and Isaiah and Revelation and Luke and Second Peter, like there are some references to, to Satan kind of by name. But you know what? I'll put that aside for a moment. You guys can look that stuff up and that's fine. Whether Satan is an actual person or an idea, I think the important thing is, like this question kind of hints at, is to not let that get, you know have power over you. Mm. Because um, obviously God is more powerful than Satan. And yes, you may be tempted, whether it's by, you know, just your life in that natural situation or by, by an actual entity t- t- you know, tempting you, doesn't matter. That, don't let that have power over you. The power of the Holy Spirit is bigger. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we can get into Ezekiel 28. We can get into Isaiah uh, 14. But I think that's the small potatoes. The big potatoes is not letting Satan have power over you. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, is, is, is getting to the, the core of the question, too, is the biblical authors don't name the rebel we call the devil or the Satan, and they do. Mm-hmm. So that, that might be a, a difference of opinions there, but, it's, I mean, it's his, he's named yeah. several different names. I mean, that's uh, where we get those names, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do we give them too much power or position in our minds? I think it's a person by person. Um, yeah. I don't, I, some, uh, I, I know I was t- taught as a kid to just push it aside and to ignore him and don't give him any foothold, don't give him any credit, don't give him, the, the problem is, is when you're facing an enemy, you need to know what you're facing. Yeah. You need to identify it. You need to focus on it to the point where you can get a strategy to overcome it. Mm. And the overcome part is the most important. Yes. So yes, sometimes I do think we we focus too much on him and which results in fear, anxiety, uh, avoidance, panic. Um, and that's not God's design at all because greater is he, Jesus Christ, through the power of the spirit that lives within us than he who is in the world. Yeah. Yeah, there can be there can be two different extremes. There's the the I blame Satan for everything extreme. Yeah. Yes. And Satan then, attacks. And then yes. the I don't even know, like Satan's not even around kind of thing. And right. so, because I think it, like if we blame Satan for everything, what we end up doing is we don't even take responsibility for the choices that we make, right? And so then, you know, you're, um, then, you know, the choices that we make have consequences, right? Our own desires will entice us and drag us away. Kind of, that's what James says, you know? And so like, like knowing that like we have, uh, we have a choice in the, in the things that we do and the choices that we make. And so, but also knowing that, that we have a tempter, that we have somebody, we have an accuser, we have somebody that is spilling out lies that wants us to believe the lies. And we, when we align ourselves to the lies of the enemy, that's when the enemy wins. Right when, when when we start to believe and live out, because belief is really seen in the actions, right? Belief, what I believe is seen by what I do and how I act and what I think about myself, right? And so if I begin to believe the lies, then I will begin to start walking in step with what the enemy has for me. And so we'll, you'll start seeing the snowball effect that can kind of happen there. And so, um, so yeah, I, don't, I, I agree that we don't need to give 
Satan this like power and authority that he's like on the same level of God. That's right. absolutely not. We actually right. have like evidence in scripture that says that Satan is not like God. Like God is able to see everything. God is able to be everywhere. Satan can't. Yeah. Right. It says in Job 1 that Satan has been walking around the earth, traveling to and fro, meaning that he's not able to be everywhere at once, that he has to walk around and observe people, right? And mm. so like that there's, so there's limitations to what our enemy has. Uh, and our enemy has the most power when we align our thinking and our thoughts and our actions to the lies that he's speaking. Yeah. I think realizing the authority that you have Mm -hmm. as a child of God, as someone who the Holy Spirit inhabits, um, that for me has changed a lot. I used to almost be afraid to, to, to speak to anything that was going on in my life. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to invite more attacks. Mm. And now realizing the authority that's within me and that's within all of us. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was having a massively bad day. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong. And I was like, you know what? You're a jerk. And I just started <laughs> speaking to him and saying, I speak with the authority that I have as a child of God. That you're going to get the heck away from me and you're going to leave me alone today. And it was like so freeing. And I just felt so much better. Yeah. And I think when we talk about giving them too much power, I think that's a big way that we can just not do that. Just mm-hmm. realize who you are with the Holy Spirit inside of you and speak mm-hmm. into that and use that authority that you have to take control. I mean, if you think about it, if someone's breaking into your house, you don't just say, okay, th- that's nobody. Right. They're, they're, not, they're not there. Yeah. yeah. No, w- what I say is get out. Yeah. Yeah. Like get the hell out yeah. of my house. And a brother of mine, a friend of mine, uh, always always says you know when he recognizes the devil's trying to mess with him he says satan go to hell yeah yeah. i mean it it really is that kind of analogy of how do we address the enemy do we address the enemy and with fear and panic right or do we address the enemy in the sense that he's not there and no and knowing that we are made in the image of god and so much of God's authority is uh, is seen in Him speaking. When He speaks, things happen. When Jesus says, "When whenever we ask anything in His name, it happens," you know. Mm-hmm. And so there's something about our voice. And when we are silent, or the enemy has silenced us, mm-hmm. then He has so much. He's he, His power is winning mm-hmm. because our voice and our com- our combat against Him is not being used at all. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, next question. Uh, can we lose our salvation? I cheated on this one. I wrote things down, guys. <laughs> it, says, it says once saved, always saved? Question mark. Question mark, yeah. Well, let me read a, a couple scriptures because um, I did write this one down because I think this is important. And with this, just know that there are solid arguments for both sides. Absolutely. There is different denominations that believe one way other denominations another way so this is a constant debate um you know what because of that let me back up before i read any (laughs) scriptures because i think we need to have some unity in this so here's the thing people that are calvinists if if you don't know that word it means these these are people that believe that once you're saved you're always saved Mm -hmm. i I happen to, to have that belief right but guess what when we, when a Calvinist sees some dude that just completely turns his back on Jesus and just goes and lives his own way, most of us would say, most of us would question their salvation. We'd say, hmm, I wonder if that, I wonder if he just did a repeat after me prayer or wonder if that was sincere. Now, um, an Armenian or I'm forgetting mm-hmm. the other word, but the opposite mm-hmm. side, what they might say is, 
Well, they were saved, but they gave their salvation. They gave that gift back. They abandoned their salvation. An interesting thing to me is both both sides, at the end of the day, when they see someone that is just totally walking the other way, they would say, well, that dude ain't saved. So mm. it's funny. We both, at the end of the day, end up at the same place. So, I, Which I, is I a judgment on both sides, if you want to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so instead of reading the scriptures, one thing that, that has been very, very pressed upon my heart as a children's director um, is that I, I want to make sure that we don't create false conversions with with children. Mm. Um, th- that's why we've been very careful when we had this, this uh, we did Dunked, where we, we had a bunch of baptisms, and that was awesome. I absolutely loved seeing kids and teens get baptized. But we, we counseled the kids. We, we had interviews, and we wanted to make sure that these kids were ready for baptism, that they understood salvation, because we don't want a false conversion, someone to walk away. So I, I, I happen to believe that if you have a real moment with Jesus, that you accept Jesus into your heart, I know that's a weird metaphor, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you call upon the name of the Lord and you do that with sincerity and you that's start right. a relationship with Jesus, I believe that's that's an eternal long relationship that you have. And I believe that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that that sometimes we get we get kids a lot that will repeat after me and then they'll think they said a prayer and, and, mm-hmm. and then they grow up and it never and never they never really start a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And, and they walk away, I would question their salvation at that point. Yeah. I think terminology of salvation is really important because uh, we like to say it. We want, we want to see people find the hope of Christ, but we want them to be genuinely captured. When someone is genuinely captured, that means the whole process of salvation, of calling upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved, is a supernatural thing. It's not anything that we do. It's not any, it's it's all spiritual. Mm-hmm. It's all the Holy Spirit literally taking our dead man inside, our sin, making it dead, taking it and making us new, like literally new. You can't take the new and go back to the old. It's making us new. So yeah. when you're genuinely captured by Christ, it is a spiritual, supernatural, done deal that is promised through the precious blood of Jesus. That's what's awesome. But the key is genuinely captured, genuinely, sincerely changed. There is a true conversion of some sort. That's the key. I think that is the key that people question. I agree. And I think that it, it is a tough, it's a tough thing to really like kind of, and I think when you guys ask a question like this, you unfortunately give us more authority than we are allowed to have because mm. Jesus is the only one that he's the way, the truth, and the life, right? And no one comes to the Father except through him. I mean, they can't come to the Father by Phil. <laughs> I know. And so like, so a relationship <laughs> with Jesus is what absolutely what matters and so that's between you and Jesus. Like that is between you and Jesus. Now we know that you call upon the name of the Lord if you believe and receive. That, like that's what we say a lot. We say believe and receive. You believe in the believe in Jesus. Believe in His work. Believe what He's done and receive what He's done on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Then you'll be saved. 
It talks about that. And there's a lot of other scriptures that talk about like, like Ephesians one, where it talks about once you receive the Holy spirit, that that is a deposit. That's an inheritance that you will receive. It's like a seal a guarantee. Yeah. Guarantee. It's, it's like, those are terms that those are like legal terms that they would mm-hmm. use, uh, that, um, to say that this is, this is absolutely your promise. And then like later on in Ephesians two, it's, it's by grace. You've been saved through faith. This is not of your own work so that no one can boast It's a gift of God. Right. And so I, I personally believe that as you receive a gift, that that's on the gift that's on the giver of the gift to be able to revoke and he's the one that has given it to us and he hasn't pulled away right Mm -hmm. so so that's but i think that there is there's an there's a big challenge when i thought of us because i thought about this when we were doing this is matthew chapter 7 and matthew chapter 7 is really hard because there is this conversation that jesus is having with uh with somebody basically coming to heaven Right. And they're and uh, they're saying all the things that they did. They said they cast out uh, demons in my name, that uh, they perform many miracles and they prophesied all of these things that they did. And Jesus says, I reply to you, I never knew you get away from me. And, and so that's why we, we emphasize so much it is the relationship. It is not about the doing or the actions. You know, it is not about this, this varsity level Christian things that you can do, like cast mm-hmm. out demons and perform miracles and prophesy. It is literally about what Jesus has done and everything that he's done on our behalf knowing, and, and knowing receiving him. that. And, and he was hitting against the Pharisees here, too. Mm-hmm. All these people that did great things, but they just they just didn't have that believe and receive kind of thing going, mm-hmm. you know? And and that's why Jesus and Paul and others are continually t- talking about false prophets. There are false prophets that say some great things, they do some great things, but they just don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on. This is, uh, we're about halfway through already, guys. Love this. Uh, this, is this is good stuff. Question number four. Question number four. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does the Bible say about full sanctification? I'm so glad you asked that one. <laughs> can, can, we, can we first yeah. explain what sanctification is to I, somebody that doesn't yeah, know? Yeah, actually, and I was going to head that way. Uh, in college, uh, this became a big passion of mine because I just didn't understand it. And so I really studied this uh, for myself. Mm-hmm. Sanctification means to be set apart. Yes. God is setting you apart for what? For him, yes. But what is him? He's holy. Mm. He is perfect. There, there's holiness, and God requires holiness. That's why we see in the Old Testament all about the veil and all about the procedures of the tabernacle. It's all about holiness. Can I, um, just, just for a quick clarification, a lot of times people assume holiness is perfection. Right. That's not the case. Holiness mm. literally means, just like what Phil says, it means to be set apart. So it's something that is set apart specifically right. Right. is holy. Which, that, yeah, go go ahead. So yeah, so that so so know that when when even when First Peter says, "Be holy as I am holy," is is kind of like a command of the God saying, "Be holy as I am holy." He's not saying be perfect because I'm perfect. No, right. that's that's not the case at all. It means being set apart, be 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 go through the process of sanctification, just like I am. The Lord is set that's apart. Right. That's right. And uh, there's three there's three really important words to understand sanctification. Sanctification is one of them, but the first one is justification. The second one is sanctification. And the third one is glorification. I'll do this hopefully in a minute or less. (laughs) Um, Justification is literally, you are justified uh, as holy and blameless before God because of Jesus. Ephesians 2, I believe it's verse 8. Yes, it says... um, 
for by grace you have been saved. This is not of your own work, but it is a gift of God. That's you are justified as holy and righteous before God because what Christ has done. Nothing you've done, but you've believed it and you've received it. Second of all is sanctification. I'm going to jump off, um, jump uh, or pass that one, um, which is set apart to be holy. But then you have glorification, which is complete, ultimate holiness. That's without the humanity of the brokenness, the sinfulness within me. It's when we see Jesus face to face, 1 Thessalonians 5 and uh, Colossians 3. Uh, I believe 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. There's that word, at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Colossians 1 then, or excuse me, Colossians 3 then says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will see him and appear with him in glory. That's glorification. So then sandwiched between justification and glorification is sanctification. Nice. It's a it's a process of looking more and more like Jesus. Ephesians 4, 13, I believe, says you need to grow up in the Lord till you attain the unity of faith, but then it says the fullness of Christ. That is sanctification. And we do it together, going back to question one, we do it together, not by ourselves, but as a body. And we grow more and more like Christ. And my favorite verse, it's actually our wedding verse. Second Corinthians three seventeen through 18 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces, meaning those who have believed the gospel, believed in Jesus and received the Holy Spirit, the new birth, we are being changed or transformed into his likeness. What is that? Holiness. With ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So sanctification is we're being set apart by God, through the act of Christ, through the filling of the Holy Spirit, to look more and more and more and more like Jesus in holiness until we see him face to face, glorification. And Phil's on fire, guys. Man. Sorry. Hot fire. Hey, uh, um, let me throw something out, out there, too, because, man, I, I've caught the fire, too. This is good stuff. <laughs> I, I like to give a little bit of background, too. See, I think sometimes we don't see things through, like, an Old Testament lens, like a, like a Jewish lens. We miss stuff. Mm. And so in the Old Testament, remember how, how important the temple was. Mm-hmm. That like God resided in the temple. The temple was sanctified. It was holy. It was set apart, right? Mm-hmm. This is where God resided. And we almost take it for granted that the Holy Spirit, God, resides in me. We are now the temple. And we are now the temple. We are set apart. We are sanctified that God resides in us. And that's how, like what Phil's saying, that's how we can achieve this. Is that It's not anything that Phil does. It's not anything that Daniel or Brent does. Nothing that I do. It's, it's God working in me. It's God working in us because that's what we're sanctified for. We are the house. We are the temple of God. Mm-hmm. We were yeah. bought with a price. And it's a precious price. And, and I think it's really good that we begin to understand this more and more because when you have justification, so the act of Jesus and what he did for us justifies us. We There was an exchange that took place on the cross. He took our sin. We got his righteousness. You know, that's in Second uh, Corinthians 5. Right that's at the a pretty good the, deal. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty <laughs> good deal. Yeah, verse 21. It says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could have the righteousness of God. 
And then you have glorification, right? So you have our future glory. We haven't gotten there yet. We haven't seen Jesus face to face. We are not like shedding off this whole mortal tent, as Paul would call it. And then, you know, receiving all of this glory. And so the in-between is the sanctification. It's that process of becoming more and more like Christ. And that's the goal. Like uh, like you said, the goal is um, in Ephesians 4 that we would become more and more like Christ to his the complete fullness of him. And so I think what's really important to understand about sanctification is the process is to yeah, know that yeah. immediately when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are justified and you have future glory. That's good. Now you start the path. That's you start it. the path of sanctification, which comes with like ups and downs, right? Like the, <laughs> the process of sanctification Sanctification is going to sanctification. Ha- sanctification. <laughs> Sometimes it gets skanked. Sometimes it stinks. I love it's, it. Uh, sanctification. It is. Or stank- sanctification. Stank- I like that because, because we have our ups and downs. We have our stink yeah. right but the holy spirit's still there making something out of like, like phil talks about the crushing yeah. sometimes our sanctification doesn't smell good yeah. sometimes it is it, it is terrible but you know we work with it and god works with us yeah and so that's so that so that what that's why we can confidently say romans 8 1 that there's no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus like we can confidently say that because what's great is that when you read the book of the when you read uh, the Bible, especially just different letters that Paul writes and just books in general, they're written in their entirety, right? They're not divided in chapters originally, right? And so Paul, who goes through this whole struggle that he has with uh, how he's still wrestling with sin, how he's re- how he's just well, he wants to do the right thing, but he still wrestles with it, and then he just says confidently though. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because of the process of sanctification that's taking place. And that's why these are all very connected. It's so important for us to understand what salvation is. It's so important for us to understand these terms, justification, sanctification, glorification, because this is our journey. Mm. This is the journey that we're on. And that's why we need people around us to help us, to walk with us, to point out, hey, you're going to be glorified. This is not going to be your, this is not your eternity. Oh, and you are justified. So you don't have to sit there and wallow in condemnation or guilt because of the sin, because Jesus already died and paid for the punishment of that sin. So throw it away. Throw it away. Get rid of it. Throw off the old nature. Throw off the sins that easily entangle us. You know, and that and that's so that's just part of the process. And I think I'm not going to steal our host's job, but that segues <laughs> very well into the very next uh-huh. question yeah. that we have, which yeah. is so you so you did steal his job. Way to go, Daniel. <laughs> I did. It's a two part question, actually. Um, it says, "Are Christians sinners?" And then the next part is whether yes or no, what scripture is used to back it up? <laughs> Man, listen to this. Paul says in Romans uh, 7.15, <laughs> he says, uh, this is one of my favorites. It's just, it's hilarious. For I do not know, understand my own actions. For I do not know, uh, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is that is good. This is complicated, but funny. So now it is... No longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Like he goes on, and it's it's kind of funny. Like you know, I I I don't do what I want to do. I do what I don't want to do. The bottom line is Paul is admitting that he jacks things up. Mm-hmm. That even Paul, Paul guys, Paul sins. Mm-hmm. Like this is Paul. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if he admits. That he says he even calls himself somewhere else. When you guys could probably help me, chief he calls himself the chief of sinners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, are Christian sinners? Yeah, but we're just as as Phil just said, we're justified, we're forgiven. 
So yes, we sin. I'm not perfect. I'm I sin. Yeah, and it's not free access to keep sinning because no, we will no. face the uh, the mighty hand of discipline. I mean, the Bible talks about that too. So I mean, Paul even says is by this grace, can you just does that give you permission to keep on sinning? No, mm-hmm. no. But yeah. Well, yeah. and like I said earlier, Phil, like God makes these rules for our benefit. So if you break the rules, things aren't going to go so well for you. God knew that. That's the reason why he gives us the rules. Mm-hmm. When, when we're told not to lie and we lie, guess what you're going to do? You're going to face the consequences of your lies. When we're told not to commit adultery and you commit adultery, things are not going to go so well for you. You might you might end up being divorced, and you might end up if you're a guy you you may end up not being able to see your children like you want to. I mean, there there are natural consequences to every sin that we have. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Romans three twenty three tells us for all have sinned yes. and fallen short of the glory of God. What is sin? What is th- sin? It is what any thought, word, or action that is contrary to the character and design of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I sin every day yep. because I am not there yet. The whole sanctification part, I'm growing more and more like Christ, but I'm still in this earthly, sinful body um, that I, I, I need to call upon the name of the Lord. I need repentance. I need to uh, be cleansed by him and, and, and draw closer to him. And I think it's important to know that with the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to say no to those things that were normally controlling us. Like, so Romans 8 kind of is one of my favorite chapters, oh, yeah. but, and it talks about, and it starts in verse 12, it says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by it dictates, you will die. Now the death that uh, we see here is yes, we all are going to physically die, Right. Um, but it also says that we will live because of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but all, what happens when we sin is other things die. Relationships die. Our health dies. Our mental, uh, uh, mentally, our, uh, you know, we die. Our emotions, they, they start to die. Like sin is the consequence of sin. The wages of sin death. is death. Yeah. And so we don't need to just, just couple that up with just the physical death. You lose things. Stuff dies. You've seen that in your relationships. You've seen that by the choices that you make, that stuff is, it. it dies yeah. and says, so, but if, if you, uh, if, but if through the power of the spirit, you put to death, these deeds, your sinful nature, you will live. So you will experience this life as you put this, th- as you put this to death so it's an action it's a choice it's things that we do uh paul tells us to put off the old nature to put on the new nature those are all actions right and then uh, hebrews uh the writer in hebrews says to throw away the sins that easily entangle. all of this is actions it's all like having us to do something about Mm -hmm. this sin nature that we have and this is not so that we can receive salvation but so that we can experience the life abundantly Mm -hmm. that god has designed us for and so we're still going to wage war with ourselves. We're still going to struggle with that sin nature. We're still going to struggle with, uh, you know, that process of sanctification that we just talked about. And so that's why we need to allow ourselves grace, but also know the power that we have in the Holy Spirit to know that mm-hmm. that as we choose sin, we choose death. We choose the consequences of it, you know, and that may not be that you may not see that death immediately. You may see that death in that relationship later. You may yes. see the... Um, 
the death in your health later. You may see, you know, uh, the consequences of losing, you know, a loved, like losing connection with a loved one or like a daughter or a son or something like that. Like you, because of these choices that we're making. Um, and so that's where I think that even though we are justified, we're getting through the process of getting off this old nature. So eventually we can be glorified where there is no more sin, where there is no more sorrow, where there is no more death. So we're not there yet. And so we have to continue to try to pull and, and grab towards that hope, knowing that it's going to be a process. All right, guys, moving on to question number six. We only have two left. Um, people listening right now, just to let you know, we are running longer than normal with this podcast. We knew that we probably would. Um, so thank you for sticking around with that, but just letting you know we're still going to be going. I know that we're uh, around the time that we usually stop. We're still going to probably be going for about another 10 or 15 minutes or so. So moving on to question number six. Um, can we talk about Ephesians 5, 22 through 33? This verse has helped in our marriage. Um, just a heads up to you guys too listening that all of these questions and if you send any questions it's all anonymous so yeah. we're not naming names here I'm not saying this verse has helped in my marriage when I ask this question yeah. I'm saying whoever sent this in said can we talk about Ephesians 5 22 through 33 this verse has helped in our marriage well let's read it first yeah it says first wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church his body and is himself its savior now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. All right, let me. I want to talk about this so you guys can disagree with me. <laughs> so, this is why I think that looking at scripture in its literary context matters because what we like to argue is we want, we want to argue wives submit to your husbands. And then the wives want to argue, well, husbands need to love you know, their wives like Christ loved the church. And, and we use those things against each other. If you look at this passage as a whole, there's a brilliant thing that Paul is preaching that we miss because we pick out verses that we are to submit to each other. That's right. See, husbands love their wife. Think about this. Husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I want you to think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood, battling over this cup of sin, right? Battling with God and saying like, God, I don't want to do this, but... If it's your will, imagine imagine the toil. That, do you think that Jesus just wanted to do this? No, but but he loved us enough to do it. Now, now apply that to being a husband. Mm -hmm. There are times when we need to submit to our wives. That's right. To do things that we don't want to do that they need us to do. Mm -hmm. and, and the same goes for wives and with their husbands. Right. That there are times that wives need to sacrifice for, for their husbands. So I see this as a relationship. I don't see this as a singular command to husbands or a singular command to wives. We are to submit to each other. And this is a partnership. We see in the Bible that we are one. Man yeah. and wife become like one being. So I don't think this is a dictatorship. I think this is a partnership. You mean, now, you mean it's not set up by a patriarchal system that just wants to rule all women? 
I don't believe so, but you guys may disagree. <laughs> I, that, that, that's, I, I think so, I'll throw that out side there. Side note, like, <laughs> empowerment of women started with Christianity, just, yeah. so, just so you guys know. I mean, like, that was like... If you want to go back to non-Christian times, uh, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Like empower, like literally. I remember sitting uh, in a a college course, a New Testament college course, and uh, we had a major debate over this. And of course, one woman um, spoke up and just was obviously picking the the verse apart. But my buddy, shout out to my buddy, Tim, um, he said something that has stuck with me all these years. He says, honestly, this is all about what you said, Michael, relationship. Each of us have a part to play. Not one's more important than the other. But he said, if men today began to live up to this calling and this command as husbands, wives would not be picking apart the word submit and respect. We wouldn't. We all have to do our part. Mm -hmm. If a man is loving his wife as Christ loves the church and she is not following suit to love him and serve him, it's one-sided still. It's one-sided still. So we both have a part to play. But I think if men began to become and live as men, become man, man up and love and sacrifice for our wives and for our families... Um, this would not be an issue. You, yeah. you know what? Another thing that this brings up is how, <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm venting on this one, right? But how we read the Bible. We tend to read the Bible for everybody else. Mm-hmm. So men will read this and say, listen, you need to submit to me. And women be like, well, you need to love me. You know, instead of reading what we are to do. Yeah. And, and this is something that I see with a lot of questions. You know, uh, we, we'll talk about the gay question, you know, and people know what, what should gay people do? Well, you know what? Why don't we read the Bible and think about what you need to do with your life? You know, like, the, what about the sin that Michael Miller has? I mean, I'll be transparent, and honest. I eat too much. You guys that aren't that you guys can't see. You all, you, I have this big old belly, and it's because I'm addicted to. I don't sugar. know about you. I'm drinking a V8 right now. So, and I and I just had a delicious uh, iced coffee that Daniel made me because he loves me. But, it's but true. look, but but that's out of, out of reverence to Christ, of course. But that's but that's sin in my life, and maybe I need to treat my body like a temple. Instead of worrying about the gay issue, maybe I should be looking at Michael Miller's sin, and I, I just. I have a pet peeve with that because I think we look at other people and we try to use the Bible to judge other people instead of removing the beam from our own eye. Yeah. Okay, vent, vent it, over. I actually, That's awesome. I actually was just, I was thinking a lot about that today in my own personal life and was thinking like, it would be awesome. You can't do it, but somebody could start like a beam removal service. Like, I'm going to call, have somebody come remove my beam. <laughs> We'll call it the I got call one. it out service. <laughs> yeah. Call it out. Well, I think it's it's it is like Michael. That's an awesome point. Like it really is. I think that in a lot of ways, and, and the way I would say that a most uh, broken religion functions is that we want justice for everyone else, but mercy for us, right? And so uh, this is a, this is a that's a classic example of this. And I think what's really important is, like you said, we bypass verse twenty one that says, you know, submit to one another's out of reverence to Christ. And then Paul goes into specific applications of wives and husbands. This is how you enact this command of submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. And so this isn't a we need to be in a male dominated society. This is this is just hey, submitting one another out of reverence to Christ. We all need to do that. Okay, now wives and husbands, I want to give you specific applications to what that original command is. 
husbands stay in your verse wives stay in your verses you know like 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 so like stick to your stay verse. in your lane stay yeah. in your lane <laughs> stick in your verses right and and so this is it's really important for us to do this because this is not like like you said this is not something to for us to lord over people or to point at somebody else that's not that's not what draws people to repentance you know it's kindness that draws people to repentance we see that in Romans 2 and so like like husbands stick to this and and i can just say that like from my very limited experience of, of being married, me and me and Lainey have been married for five years, is that Ooh. our relationship works best when I focus on what I need to do. Mm-hmm. When I focus on my my role as loving my wife and laying my life down for my wife and not worrying about her responsibility because ultimately I'm going to have to give an account to Jesus for how I did these verses. I'm not going to be able to say, but she didn't do this. No, he's going to say, all right, absolutely, Daniel, what did you do to love your wife the way and to show that by your love how much I love the church? Did you do that? Because if you didn't, then you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And I'm like, Ugh. so that's like, that's a big calling on us as guys that we, mm-hmm. as I should say, as husbands, that uh, that we are supposed to lay our life down for our wives and, and to be that example. Uh, and so that's why I think this is it's so important for us to focus on what our calling is as husbands and separately wives, what your calling is as wives. Yeah. All right, one last thing on this and we can move on to the next one. Brandon. No. But- Please. <laughs> um, so what, what, what I said earlier is that God gives us laws because he loves us. Mm-hmm. This, these are things that are good for us. He knows us. Notice these laws here. Wives are to submit to their husband. What does the, men, <laughs> we need respect. That's one of the things that are just ingrained in our ego. Mm-hmm. It's going to go well for you, wife, if you respect your husband. What do women need? Women need love. God knew this. He made women. He made these laws because he knows us. Mm. He's like, hey, guys, here's a big tip. Love your wives. I made them. I know them. They need love. Hey, women, your dudes, they need to be respected. I made them. I know this. Do it. Mm -hmm. God knows us. He made these laws to make things work. This is how relationships work because God made us that way. Mic drop. Mic drop. (laughs) All right. Last question. Uh, and this is a, it's a little bit long. It's a two-parter. So here we go. Um, when it comes to marriage problems, if both parties are willing to work on issues, is there anything God can't heal and overcome in the relationship? And the second part is, if only one party is willing to go to church and try while the other party will not, at what point, if any, is it okay for the party that is trying to give up on the marriage? At any point, is it okay for the party that is trying to give up on the marriage? Okay, we'll address Part one first. Uh, when it comes to marriage problems, if both parties are willing to work on issues, is there anything God can't heal and overcome in the relationship? No. I don't, I mean, I, I think that... Okay, second part. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and it's, it, the, I the, the power of the Holy Spirit, I mean, like, that we can be new creations. So any past mistakes, any issues that you've got, any things that you've gone through, you know, you can work through that. If, if the... If, if the marriage relationship is to symbolize Christ's love for the church, then there's nothing that right. has ever been able to separate the love of Christ from us. Amen. What's, from Im- the, yeah. what's impossible for man is always possible in the power of God. Yeah. And so I, and I believe in, um, we don't have time to go into my parents' story, but they have come back from impossible odds to have a thriving, absolutely great marriage. And it's so much, it's, it's, it's it embodies exactly what, Christ's power and the power of the Holy Spirit can be in people when they're willing to 
to to put Jesus first and to submit to Jesus yeah. and to submit to one another out of reverence because Jesus deserves it. That's the key. Yeah. And so I, I believe that there's nothing that a marriage can't overcome. Uh, any relationship can't overcome with the power of Jesus. All right. And the second part I'll read again. If only one party is willing to go to church and try while the other party will not, at what point, if any, is it okay for the party that is trying to give up on the marriage? Don't give up. Mm-mm. Don't give up. I know that's easy to say, right? And look, God can forgive sin, okay? So I'm not saying that, well, don't worry about it. Just sin and God will forgive you. That's not what I mean. Don't give up. But I really want to also speak to people that are divorced. You know God loves you. You know that God can forgive sin. So don't be hung up on on your past sin and what you've already done. But if if you are in that situation where you're pondering divorce... Really lean into the Holy Spirit and don't give up. Mm-hmm. Just that's the best thing I can say. Is I mean, that's, Jesus says not to, and, and if and again, knowing what's good for you, it's good for you not to give up. There's a there is a couple at our church right now that got connected to one of our outreaches, and I, I won't use their name, um, but uh, he came to me with, I mean, the divorce papers in hand from his wife and. Uh, I, he wanted to save his marriage. He wanted to, he wanted to fight for his marriage. And so I gave him his lanes. I said, here's specifically what Christ calls us to be as husbands. So start doing this, start praying. And it says that it says, it says even pray for our spouses. And so, and I'll go into some specific scriptures that kind of talk about this, but, and their marriage is thriving and they've gone through some awful stuff yeah. even past this like just straight up really hard life threatening tough issues yeah. and and they're, it's so their marriage is just a testimony of what the power of Christ can do when you one give him access to your marriage especially in the way that you act when you are when you are infusing Christ in your marriage because you're doing everything you're supposed to do on your end to be the husband that Christ has called you to be or be the wife that Christ has called you to be you know there is amazing things that happen and and there's a there's a there's a scripture that I want to point out and this is uh, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 12 through 16 it says uh, this is Paul answering specific questions. Hey, he, he did a you asked for it for the Corinthian church, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah. so he's answering yeah. questions from the church. And he says, now I speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue to live with him, he must not leave her. All right. So what Paul's saying here is, is that Paul is not giving a direct command from the Lord saying, this is what you have to do. He's saying, man, this is what. I think is a really good idea for you and for, you know, and, and he'll tell you why later on. He says, if, if she is willing to live with her husband, even though she doesn't believe he should not leave her. And the same thing, if a believing woman has a husband who's not a believer and he is willing to continue to live with her, she must not leave him for right. the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, bringing not perfection, bringing it, 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 it is something different. There's something different coming into this marriage and a believing it's sanctified, husband it's brings apart holiness to his marriage right and then so it kind of goes down it says uh, but if a husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving let them go so this is one that this is Paul answering a specific question and so but he says don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you and don't your husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you yeah. so we have to almost get different perspective here that 
you sticking it out and laying your life down for your husband or your wife who's not believing but is willing to stay with you and and you bringing sanctification and holiness to your marriage because your relationship with Jesus has the ability to alter their eternity. That is worth it. Mm-hmm. That is always worth it. Everything that we do in life that has a chance to bring somebody to relationship with Jesus for eternity is always going to be worth it. Always, right? Apart from sinning. So, uh, and so like, so this is like one of those things that I really feel like is, man, you need to stick with it. Stick with it because there's there's evidence and there's power in the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus can bring dead things to life, including hey, marriages. Can I, can I throw one little caveat though? Be safe. Now yeah. look, if if you're if you're in a dangerous relationship where it's physically violent, right? I don't mean go get divorced, okay? But maybe you need a physical separation to cool things down, or just a timeout. Yeah. Yes, don't don't put yourself in danger. Yeah, you you might need to move in with mom and dad for a minute while you're still married, while you cool things down, yeah. get a little bit of space to keep yourself safe. And a marriage, in order to work, takes two, and if one is not willing to work at it, you have got to surrender to God's control because husband or wife, you cannot change them. No matter how hard you try, no matter how good you behave or you treat them, it really is about surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit to change a life. Mm. We've seen it. You hear testimonies all the time about it. God can do it. It's just sometimes you have to allow the process to reach its fulfillment Mm -hmm. all right well i think that finishes up for today um guys we are close to the hour mark i know we've gone just a little bit over that once again thank you so much for sticking with us for this um we will be back next week as well uh as we spoke on earlier um so please be sending those questions in um we'll go ahead and close up with a prayer now and then we'll get you that information one more time so that you can um, send us any questions that you might have from anywhere you might be in the world um and we will do our best to get to that next week but uh will one of you guys pray for us today anybody mind i'll do it okay uh Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, that you have just, you gave us such a great example of what it means to follow you. Uh, And you showed us uh, the design and the intention of our Heavenly Father from the start. And so, God, I just pray if we are lacking any wisdom, uh, give us the courage to ask, um, knowing that you are welcoming our questions, uh, knowing that that you are not insecure in who you are you're not insecure in your wisdom you're not insecure in your power that you're not the wizard of oz hiding behind the curtain just hoping that we don't ask questions that's not you that's not who you are so thank you god that you as a good dad receive our questions whether they're silly or whether they are very deep troubled questions god you receive them and so lord i just pray that you would give us the courage to continue to pursue your wisdom to trust you, to trust you that you know what's best for us, that if you would go to the great lengths of sending your son Jesus to die for us, that you love us no matter what, and that you care for us, and that you want the best for us, and that you have our best intentions at heart. So God, I pray that you would help us to grow in our trust for you, help us to grow in the wisdom that you have for us, and Lord, may we become more and more like your son Jesus through this great process of sanctification. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for making all of this possible. Thank you for giving us a way and access to God so that we can become bold, we can go boldly before the throne of God and ask these things and ask the Lord knowing that he will not turn us away. 
So we thank you for all of that, Jesus, and it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Daniel. Um, Michael, Phil, Daniel, thanks for uh, getting together and putting this thing together. This has been a lot of fun today. Mm-hmm. Um, all of you listening, thank you so much for joining us each week. Um, we just really hope, as always, that this is helpful for you guys. So hopefully, um, if, if we answered any of your questions today, hopefully it was to your satisfaction. Um, and please... For next week's episode, send us your questions from anywhere you are. Um, Once again, the email to send that to is contact at myelevationcc.org. And if you ever want to have anything, uh, you want to check anything out that we're doing as a church, our our website is www.myelevationcc.org. We have um, an app that's available as well on iTunes. Um, Just go to, uh, what is it, ECC Bland or Elevation Community Church, I believe. Elevation Community Church. Yeah, it's Elevation Community Church. Um, You can look up the app. The reason that I tell you that is because within that app, um, the email address that I'm giving you, that's another way that you can contact us. You just tap on the app there on the email section, and you can send us what you want through the app. Um, So anyway, that all being said, thank you again for joining us this week. We had a lot of fun with this. We'll be back next week for another episode of You Asked For It on Weekly Impact. And until then, go out, let the light of Jesus shine to other people. Hopefully take what you learned a little bit today and uh, apply that to your lives. And um, we will talk to you next week.